Hello, everyone. Welcome to Exploit It. I'm Alexis Jowski. I'm Kevin Daly. And this week we're talking about Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker from 1982, directed by William Asher. Also known as, um, what is it? Night Warning. Night Warning, yeah, that's what it was. That, that title makes no sense. So shocking. So terrifying. So powerful. Night Warning has been named Best Horror Film of the Year by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror. Billy and Julie, young, innocent, in love. It was all a mistake. They didn't go looking for trouble. They were just too curious. Without knowing, they've uncovered a deadly secret. By accident, they've stumbled onto a grisly murder. Now, they know too much to live. chilling tale of a young boy and girl, innocent victims, now targets of a frenzied obsession with murder. See the award-winning Night Warning. Neither of them really make any sense. Well, Night Warning doesn't make sense at all for a title for anything, unless you're, making, unless you're making a movie about Paul Revere, I guess. <laughs> Tim Burton's Night Warning. <laughs> yeah. The British are coming. That's, that's right. There you go. We did it. We found the movie. That you yeah. know that title. So, this movie uh, starts with a cold open, which I like, um, where you just get the kids, these parents are leaving their, their little boy behind with their aunt. Because they're going on away on a trip, and the baby is just crying up a storm, as three-year-olds are wont to do. Yeah, they don't like being left behind. Yeah, he's got his arms out, he says, Mom, Mom, you'd think that, that you know, um, I can't remember where I was going with that one. But the parents, they uh get in a car accident. <laughs> really bad, brutal car accident. It's amazing. The, uh... My favorite part is yes, that was pretty pretty brutal. But my favorite part is when the, the car lands in the wa- in the river at the bottom, and then like 15 <laughs> seconds go by, and then it just explodes. Oh, your favorite part was the radio talking about the the wonderful mighty Green Bay Packers. Well, I like that too. First Super Bowl. This is right at the dawn of the Super Bowl era. The mur- after the merger of the NFL and AFL. Pretty cool. Um, but also excited Michael Bay noises. Yes, because they. They have no brakes in the car. The brakes are absolutely gone. Which, how did they even make it this far? That's a good question. How did they make it even one block from home with absolutely think, no brakes? I mean, you would have noticed very quickly that you had no brakes, right? Yeah. I think. And they smash right into the back of a, a log truck, and the log goes right through and impales the dad's head. Yeah, he goes pretty fast. And the then... mom's Screaming and screaming. They tumble down a cliff, and yeah, like you said, the car waits 15 seconds before Michael Bay boom. That's right. And 
we get just this picture of the baby floating in the water, and we fade to him now grown up. Well, not quite. He's 17. Right. The and, aunt wakes up in her bedroom. Yes. Um, listening to um, news. Yes. We hear the news. I mean, it's 1982, so they're talking about Ronald Reagan. Uh, they're talking about how gas is climbing up to a exorbitant dollar forty-five a gallon. Incidentally, I took time to convert that to today's dollars and compare to the average price in Flagstaff as of I watched it on the nineteenth. The average gas price in Flagstaff, Arizona, on August nineteenth, two thousand twenty-two, is four dollars and thirty-five cents. Converting one dollar and forty-five cents in nineteen eighty-one dollars to today. $4.73. So they actually had more expensive gas that day in uh, 1981 or 82 than uh, they had today. So, Yes, and as you pointed out, they are in Flagstaff, Arizona. Yes. That's where this movie takes place. So the aunt goes to wake up her, her nephew that's been living with her ever since. And she's snooping around, and she finds his wallet, and she smiles at the picture of those two together, but then she finds a condom. And she's not happy. Oh, that's just the filthiest look ever. Let the boy have some safe sex, come on. Yeah, and then she, like, climbs on top of his prone naked body and starts purring. Yeah. And, you know, he wakes up, and so he's a teenager, okay? He's 17, and somehow she doesn't realize what teenagers do yet. Because he's, like, bouncing a basketball around the house, which teenagers would do. He drinks milk without a glass, and she's acting like it's the first time he's ever done any of this. <laughs> she's like, oh my god, oh my, no, oh lord, no. I mean, he's got a good point. You know, why dirty a glass? Yeah, why dirty a glass? Just drink from the carton. Right. Which you'll learn later why you shouldn't. True. He asks about bringing his girlfriend, Julie. Well, not girlfriend quite yet. Well, no, I guess they are, because he tries yeah. to say, oh, she has a crush on me. But no, they they totally date. Yeah, in fact, later on, she says they've been dating for, what, a year or something like that? Yeah. And, um, of course, Aunt Cheryl tells Billy here, no, I will be your date. Yep. Still creepy. And she's, he's, he's leaving. He's like, sure, sure, Aunt. Whatever makes you happy. And she goes, you make me happy. She's fucking yeah. creepy. And we get, speaking of creepy, we suddenly get all these creepy shots of Billy shirtless playing basketball. I uh, I thought the stream was dropping frames. <laughs> I was watching this. They're just taking pictures. <laughs> I'm like, wait, why is it stopping? <laughs> yeah, it's just freeze, freeze, freeze. It's like I'm really... like, uh-oh, my internet's got problems. <laughs> What's going on? Help. But no, it's just Julie taking pictures, and it's just basketball practice that's a shirts and skins practice which incidentally they don't allow anymore ah, i did not know that no they t stopped allowing shirts and skins for many different reasons most of it you see in this scene because there's a lot of homoeroticism in this scene before we even know other things about these characters right yeah um I mean, there's, well, the, the shirtlessness is one thing. I mean, even if this didn't have the uh, the gay character in it and the whole kind of love triangle thing that the bigoted cop doing, like, it's the 80s, so I just assume a, a certain level of homoeroticism. Yeah, like, the coach gives this one kid a firm slap on the ass, and he's like, hey, Billy, hey, hey, co come talk to me in my office after your shower. 
And all the other kids see that and they're like, I don't know, jealous that Billy's getting the attention. So they start right in with the gay comments. Yeah, the one guy is played by... uh, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. (laughs) Yes, Eddie is played by Bill Paxton. He starts telling Billy, keep your queer hands off me. Your boyfriend, the coach, like, really... Also, because he was complaining about a foul where there was literally no contact. It was a no-contact foul. Absolutely no contact. Yeah, so not a foul, no contact. Just a just a flop from uh, from Eddie there. And even though Eddie is like, that's a foul, that's t- that's a foul. The coach is like, the only thing foul is how you try to dribble. Yeah. You know, while that's going on, we have Cheryl meeting with somebody that she was apparently watching a kid. Yeah, you get the impression that she does like daycare question babysitting in addition to making pickled fruits and vegetables because she gives them to to her friend marge who's like thank you for the pickled tomatoes Uh, and she's like hey i know a guy that you might be interested in dating no you know billy's leaving no he's not you'll need a man yeah and um suddenly it's nighttime and billy's still at school like how long was this fucking shower well i don't know if it was the shower (laughs) yeah and um, his girlfriend, Julie, jumps out with the camera, and he's like, hey, hey, you want to ride my moped? And I'm not joking, that's literally the line. You want to ride on my moped? What did she say something about her wearing she goes, a skirt? Yeah, she's like, no, I'm wearing a skirt. And then the very next scene, he's like, hey, I gave Julie a ride home on my moped. Well, she, he goes, you could ride side saddle. I guess she did. Because yeah, I guess so. So Billy tells his aunt about... You know, because she's being all super nice. I made your favorite dinner. Which I, I, I think spaghetti is what it was. She says something about meat sauce. Yeah. But we don't get to see this dinner because Billy breaks no. the bad news that he's got a full sports scholarship to Denver. Yeah, so University of Denver is a very good hockey school. But I wasn't sure. Do they have a good basketball team in 1981? No, not really. But he, um, she is not taking this well. Well, first of all, she goes, college is for people with brains. Yeah, that was pretty savage. (laughs) And they have this big fight, and she's throwing shit around, and he doesn't get why she's so flipping out like this. And um, she's like, eat your own goddamn dinner, and storms off. She goes to the basement with, like, all of her pickled fruit. Yes, pickled fruit. Because that is the only thing that is pickled down there. Yeah. So she goes down in the basement, and she's just muttering to nobody with all this pickled fruit. Yeah, Chuck, and I'm like, is that her husband, boyfriend, dad? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Offering this, all this pickled fruit to a photograph. Yeah. The next morning, she's like, happy birthday, Billy. Here's your card. And he's reading it aloud, and she's mouthing the words like she memorized what she wrote. Yeah, she's... You know, what's, what's amazing to me about this is that for some somehow... He, he is completely oblivious to the fact that his aunt is, like, super, like, creepy <laughs> to him. Yes. Up until, until a little, little later. Yes. To the very end, he finally get, catches on. But. <laughs> you know, she's written in the card that, hey, congratulations on your, your scholarship. And she's like, I understand. And my note in there is, does she really? Yeah. Um, And she tells him, hey, stop by the TV repairman and tell him to come here. You know, because TV repairmen were a thing. That's right. That was a thing that, that existed at some point in history. Nowadays, if your TV breaks, it's gone forever. You buy a new one. You just buy a new one because they're <laughs> so cheap now. <laughs> yeah. 
Back then, a, a TV was an investment, like a car. Not even that long ago, but now, like, seriously, the prices on TVs, it's amazing that what you can get for the, your, your money. It's like, man, that TV, like, like, for, like, whatever I spent on TVs back, like, three grand will get you a massive effing TV these yeah. days. But, so the TV repairman shows up and fixes her TV, and we find out that Aunt Cheryl is fucking thirsty. Oh, yeah, she's... She's got some cobwebs that need cleaning out. <laughs> and she is, like, wearing this, like, nightgown, and she's lifting it up. She's like, fuck me, TV repair, man. Yeah, she's coming on real strong. No, uh, no subtlety here. She's like, I'll do whatever you want. I, I need you. I need a man. And he's like, no, no, get away from me, you fucking crazy bitch. Yeah, that's right. And then, again, she's like, anything. He's like, okay, here. And he, like, zips his pants, and it's like... Get to work, bitch. Yeah. And she's like, oh, no. And fucking kills him. Yeah. And she just takes this knife and stabs the fuck out of him. There's blood everywhere, and that's when Billy comes home. Right. And she goes, he tried to rape me. He was going to rape me. (laughs) I think it was the other way around. Yeah. And then we have, like, this fucking old couple. Another woman's name is Marge. Her husband's Frank. And they're coming by for dinner. And she tells him, make sure you say something nice about her pickled tomatoes. And he goes, but they were terrible. (laughs) Just say something nice. And they just walk in and they're like, hey, what's going on? Oh, my God, there's blood and a dead body everywhere. (laughs) Surprise. And she just goes, oh, he raped me and starts hugging her and. Smearing blood all over the woman's blouse. It's like, well, that's uh, that's it for that blouse. And so the police are there now, and that's when we meet Detective Fuckface. He has a name, right? Yes, Lieutenant Carlson. Okay. Just just that racist guy. Oh, he is racist and homophobe. His name is evil. Religiously... Religious zealot. Yeah, he's super racist, too. Oh, yeah. There's we'll a scene. There scene. actually is a scene. Yeah, we'll get to that scene. I have some notes on that scene. I met bigoted, but also, yeah, he also race, also racist. And his first thing is, like, he's leaning down over the dead body, and he tells this guy, he's like, so you're going to get that operation? You're going to get snipped? Oh, hell no. And I'm like, okay, so these are toxic men. Yeah. Oh, but he is quite toxic. Yeah, yeah, he is a he's a cut above. And um, he's not buying the rape story at all, and he's yelling and screaming at Billy and Cheryl. And at one point, he tells them, "You guys make a cute couple." Yeah. Well, it's interesting because he's right. I mean, he he gets the fact that it wasn't rape correct, but he. He, he misses everything else. Thing else. He misses everything else. He's so blinded by hatred as we go on. He's just. But he goes, he's talking to Shelly, he's interviewing her, and he's like, Are you married? No. Do you have any boyfriends? No. Do you like girls? <laughs> Are you a lesbian? And I'm like, No, she's like 50. A lot of people, when they get up there, stop dating, okay, old detective? Yeah, it's never really established how exactly old she is, but yeah, she's gotta be. Somewhat middle-aged. Yeah, but it's like the next morning, and she's just burning shit. And screams when Billy comes in. 
Like she was right. burning a dead body. Well, I mean, metaphorically speaking. Yeah. And she's like, oh, just cleaning the attic. I'm going to make you a, a apartment up there. And he's like, but uh, I'm going to Denver. Oh, yeah, 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 sure you are. He starts helping her and finds these pictures of some dude that she's X'd his face out. And he's like, oh, hey, Aunt Cheryl, who's this? Oh, some woman your mom dated. His name was Chuck Strang. By the way, there are a lot of fucking cobwebs in that attic. There is. Not as many like, as between Cheryl's thighs, but... No. Uh, she was trying to clean those out. <laughs> yeah. She picked the wrong guy, as we find out. Yeah, because we get basketball practice, and Coach Fuckface... Not Coach. Detective Fuckface is talking to yeah. the coach. The coach is nice. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you heard about the murder of Phil Brody, huh? You know, he had this ring on him. And it's like a, a wedding ring. Yeah. And it's like 2PB, that's Phil Brody, like Love Forever from, you know, what's his, TL, Tom Landers. You know, and we learned that the coach and the dead guy were in a gay relationship. Right. And so Detective Fuckface is like, you better resign or they're going to lynch you. You know, how does Billy fit into this? Because he's he's absolutely convinced that uh, Billy was fucking both of them or something. There was some sort of love triangle between the coach and the TV repair guy and yeah. Billy. Only because two of the people here were gay. He's like, okay, yeah, this is Billy's the killer. Then Billy must be gay too, and he's the, he's the killer. Just a <laughs> lot of a lot of leaps. And it, it keeps getting even worse and worse. And he will accept no other story. He starts grasping at straws to make his hateful even gay as- love story. Even as mounting evidence (laughs) against his theory keeps piling up. He keeps doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on this. And then, um, so the coach does quit, and Eddie gives, you know, the the bully, gives Billy a bunch of shit about it. Like, oh, oh, hey, hey, so now we know why you guys spent so much time in the office together, huh? Yeah. And Billy beats the shit out of Bill Paxton. Yeah, I was expecting some dick-grabbing contests all on Tammy the T-Rex. Oh, yeah. It didn't get that bad. No, we didn't get, we didn't get that far. But instead, we have the horrible interview where the detective shows up at Billy's house. And he's like, doesn't it bother you that the coach was a fag? Are you a fag? Phil Brody was a fag. You're a fag, too, Billy. And I'm like, stop with that word. Ah, uh, 1981. And then, though to be fair, this guy is the villain. Oh, he is. He is well, well, one of two villains, I suppose. And then, um, he says some other homophobic thing, and Cheryl pokes her head out the window to go, "You're a filthy fucking pig." And you know, true to his homophobia, he tells Billy, he's like, "Oh yeah, when you're doing that that shot, keep your limp wrist. That ought to be pretty easy for you." Yeah, because stereotype. And then with dinner, you know, Cheryl and Billy, Billy's like, "Did you know that he was a homosexual?" No, Cheryl's the one grilling him. Like, "Did you know homosexuals are very sick?" <laughs> Why are all these people in this town so homophobic? Shit, man, the 80s sucked. And it gets Music even was good. It gets even worse because then we go to the police station. 
and Detective Fuckface is screaming about child molestations are up 3%. All these gay deviants out there. Grah! And um, Coach Landers shows up to like, hey, did you know that Phil was married at one time? You know? And um, the, no, that's after the detective does that most hateful thing. Oh, yeah, where he's got the Hispanic guy. No, 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 no. That's a little later. Oh, okay. This is where he's holding the stack of papers. He's like, oh, hey, hey, I'm glad you're here. Do you know so-and-so? You know, some kid? No, no, I don't. Why? He was just some kid that got molested last week. Figured you, yeah. figured you might be responsible or something. Yeah, that's right. And he's like, you're just here to help your butt boy Billy. And then he starts talking to his dog about all these fucking deviants. <laughs> the dog's like... <laughs> yeah, the dog doesn't even want them. He's like, so many deviants, puppy. They're everywhere. Sexual deviants. The dog meanwhile is like, I'm a dog. And then he, the cop goes and tracks down Julie and starts saying, hey, hey, are you and Billy having sex? I love the dog barks at him because dogs can sense evil. Yes. I also he calls himself Lieutenant. Like I'm like ninety percent certain he recall calls himself Lieutenant. I'm like, are you British or something? This guy is so far from left. <laughs> well, if it's a circle, then yeah. But um, you know, the detective he's giving shit to Julie. He's like, hey, are you and Billy sleeping together? And she's like. Oh, it's none of your business. And he's like, I know you're not because Billy's a fag and he murders people. Who's the term going steady in 1981, by the way? Well, he uses going steady, but then he also uses a euphemism for sex. Are you two making it? it? Yeah, making it. What year? Again, what year is this? This guy just got teleported out of like 1953. (laughs) That would explain the raging homophobia. And the racism when we get to that scene. I have it written down. It's We'll get to that scene. But Julie and Billy, they do hook up and they're having sex. Which at first I thought it was the Anne. Yeah, I know. They, they creepily look kind of similar. Yeah, and all you really see is Billy laying down and this blonde head like licking its chest. And then you realize... I think that might have been, I think that might have been intentional. Yeah. And so they, they start on round two of their sexcapade, and that's when Aunt Cheryl comes in, and she's screaming bloody murder, Get that fucking slut out of here! Well, at least he's not gay, right, Aunt Cheryl? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is good for his case here. That's what the cop, the other cop, when he shows up, says. Yeah, because he catches Julie outside, like, Did you two do it? That's none of your business, but it's good for his case if you did. Yeah, that that, that guy, that cop's a good cop, but he uh, he lacks some tact. <laughs> yeah, Sergeant Cook is his name. Yeah, he's doing his best. And then Billy's taking a shower, and so we get to see his fine body. <laughs> um, but in comes Aunt Cheryl yelling and screaming, "Never do that again!" And he's like, I'm 17 years old. I can do whatever I want. Adults have sex. You know. And so she's like wandering away, just 
back into her basement with more pickled fruit going, perverts, sluts, perverts and sluts everywhere. And so that's when we get good cop, you know, Sergeant Cook, going up to uh, Detective Fuckface with, hey, so I've been doing some research on the case and, uh, you know, that Billy lost his parents, Cheryl is pretty weird, and Detective won't even hear it. He's like, he uses that F word again and again and again, calls everybody fags, and is absolutely convinced Billy's the killer. Yeah. Single my that's just he's such a terrible cop. Like no, I mean obviously a horrible person, but just like beyond that, sometimes like he, that South Park character, the the red the redheaded guy in South Park yeah. cop the detective. But that guy at least tries to be a detective. Like this guy is just like I'm going to hate so much that I'm not even going to do my job. And it, like he goes off uh, like see Billy grow up without his parents, no male, that's why he's gay. Like, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> At one point, you know, the Sergeant Cook is like, oh, you know, his parents died in a car accident. And there's a lot of suspicion around, you know, maybe the brakes are cut. I have expected the detective to say, Billy did it so he could grow up gay. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely, that would definitely seal things. That would track for that detective. That would track for that, uh, for that, yes. And that's also where we get the scene with the fucking... The cop pulls in this guy and is like screaming at him about Citadano. Right. Donde esta su casa? And he's pulled out <laughs> this gun and he's like, You fucking immigrants, I fucking hate you. And he's just pointing this gun at him. And then, you know, it's Sergeant Cook. Oh, detective, sorry to bar you, bar- barge in on your racist tirades like this, but, you know, that Cheryl's pretty suspicious. Yeah. You know, he's so evil. This is the point where he tells him to just, like, take a week off or something like that. He's like, go home and stay there while while I fucking murder immigrants in my office. And nobody will ever know. We don't know what happened to that guy. Yeah. And, um, so in order to prevent Billy from going to college... You know, he's got a big game, and the the scout from Denver's there. She drugs Billy's milk. Yeah, she does. And Hans is like, drink up, big boy. And he has just the most perfect, ignorant look on his face as he drinks his milk. Yeah, he has no idea how bizarre his, his aunt is. Yeah, and even Julie brought, brings it up like, isn't it strange, you, the relationship you and your aunt have? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. He is, he is pretty dense. Not and, uh, stupid, just dense. Oblivious. <laughs> and so he's at the basketball game, and that's when the drugs kick in. It was about, it was about the top, it was about the third quarter when the drugs started to kick in. Yes. And, um, you know, he's stumbling around, he's missing shots, and then he just passes right out. Yeah, he like, yeah, he crashes into, as his blur, vision gets more and more blurry, he ends up crashing into the back wall, which, ouch. And then he tries to get up. And then he wakes up back at home in the, the attic apartment that Cheryl has built for him, and filled with, like, stuffed animals and toys, and he's wearing, like, little kid PJs. And still, do, he still doesn't quite realize that she's she's evil now. Well, yeah, she somehow... Somehow he still doesn't get it. 
He's starting to because she pulls out this jewelry. He's like, hey, this is your brace your mom was wearing the day she died. Dude, let me put it on you. And he's like, oh, God, no. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to go go visit Cheryl. I'm supposed to see her at one. No, you're not going anywhere. And um, so he starts going through her stuff and finding out that um, this Chuck Strang guy that she mentioned was her boyfriend. Had nothing to do with his mom. Well. <laughs> yeah, well yes. 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 <laughs> And, um, but Cheryl comes in screaming and yelling at him, calling him a, you know, a little bastard. I'm getting blue velvet vibes at this point from Billy yeah. <laughs> going digging a little too deep now. And then she goes and cuts off all of her fucking hair. And now she looks absolutely insane. And, like, yeah. Julie, I... yeah, it's it gets great here, you know. This woman's performance at Cheryl is amazing. Actually, she's really, yeah, it's really Because really <laughs> Julie comes in to try and talk to her, but it's like a distraction so Billy could go finish snooping around. But Cheryl's just screaming all of this, like, horrible, like, you fucking slut, you dirty bitch. And, you know, she's, like, pounding this meat with a mallet. Yeah. Which she then uses to knock Julie the fuck out. And uh, get, get some blood all over the back of the refrigerator on the... <laughs> yeah, so Billy finds out... Well, no, first, Cheryl drugs more milk and makes him drink it. Yeah. And when he wakes up, he's, like, so drugged out, can't even talk, he's just holding this piece of paper. And he's like, oh, Cheryl's like, you found the proof, yes, I'm your real mother. And Chuck Strang was your father. But he left because he was evil. And so your parents took took you away from me. Well, my sister and her husband took you away from me. Which also makes me think, why did they leave the baby with her? They thought she was fucking crazy. Yeah, they don't really go into a whole lot of details about this. My assumption was that Cheryl was not married to Chuck, and this was some way to avoid, to, like, uh, keep up appearances, because she seems like, Cheryl seems incredibly religious. You see all the Jesus, including a really creepy Jesus picture. Oh yeah, that's uh, the creepiest picture too. It's like if Lovecraft interpreted Christ. Um, and then, but like, so she seems like, and then her, obviously her, her homophobia. She seems extremely religious, so this might have been a way to keep up appearances, so to speak. Oh yeah, there are, he's our kid. Yeah. And then um, you know, he doesn't like this. He wants to get away, and so she holds him down and starts just pouring milk down his throat. Yeah. And he's like choking and spitting, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Drink your milk. Your father would agree with me." And then when he's passed out, she's like, "Oh, messy baby." Yeah, she's uh, going further and further down the uh, the rabbit hole now. Yeah, and um, that's when Marge stops by, too. She drops off some cheesecake, you know, and so she's Billy take the milk and then pass out. So she's helping out. And then she knows something's up because she finds Julie's camera. And so she pretends to leave. She's like, I'm leaving now! And, like, opens and shuts the door but stays inside. And I guess poor Marge here, because she starts snooping around, and she you could tell in her face, she doesn't know what the fuck is happening here. She hears, you know, 
Cheryl ranting about shit and screaming about milk. You know, so she decides to just get the fuck out. Like, she doesn't even know what she wanted to snoop around for anymore. But, hey, Cheryl kills her. Yep, and Cook. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, no, we have Julie in the basement first. Yep. And she finds Chuck Strang. Yes. His mummified corpse and pickled head. Yes. So now we know that every time that Cheryl came down here, she was talking to this dead body. Oh. So, yeah, it's right when um Cheryl kills Marge, just slashes her up with a fucking machete. That's when Julie starts trying to escape, so Cheryl runs back in, screaming about sluts. And that's when Sergeant Cook comes yeah, in. Yeah, Sergeant Cook shows up. Gets his hand cut off and killed. We have this wonderful chase scene because Cheryl is so off the fucking deep end now. She looks like some fucking monster. She's running around all bow-legged in the woods. Giving me uh, Friday the 13th vibes, the end of... uh... Oh, yes, very much. And her short hair, and she's all crazy-eyed, and she's just screaming, Slot! Slot! As is traditional for this kind of film. Yeah, and fucking beats Julie with a rock. They have this big-ass fight in a in a stream. And they try to drown each other. Cheryl beats Julie with a rock for a bit. And it's about this time that Millie's like, I don't think my, my aunt is right here. Yeah, he finally he finally figures it out after, you know, 17 years. He's like, my aunt's fucking great. Well, my mother. And she's fucking crazy. And he starts... Like, trying to call the cops, but she comes in, all, like, covered in mud and fucking crazy looking. And, um, she's like, who you calling? I'm your girlfriend now. Yeah. And she's just like, you love me, you love me. So Billy has no choice but to put her down. He grabs the letter opener. Yeah. Um, let's see. And the first person he calls is the coach. Yeah, well, who's he gonna call? The fucking homophobe cop. Homophobe, homophobe cop. Yeah. And um, so he calls the coach. And he's like, "I killed my mother." And um, coach is like, "Wait, wait, your mother? Yeah, who's been dead? I, I'll be right over." Yeah. <laughs> Something's up. Something's up. Um, we get a the jump scare here is um. Cheryl comes back to life for a moment, screaming. Not sure how she survived literally being stabbed in the heart, but here we are. Yep, he runs her through with a fire poker, and now she's for sure really dead. And he's like, Mom, Mother! Yeah, she's really most sincerely dead now. Yeah. And, um... Unfortunately, Lieutenant Fuckface is on the scene here. They find Marge's body. And he's like, oh, that fucking gay Billy is at it again. Meanwhile, Julie's just with another cop is out there. Yeah. <laughs> he's telling them what just happened. And, uh, like, they go into the the house and, you know, the coach is there tending to Billy's wounds. Yeah, because he got cut pretty good for, for being attacked by a letter opener. Yeah. And, um, so he's helping Billy out and then the... Detective Fuckface comes in with the gun and is like, you know, you stay there. And Cheryl, not Cheryl, Julie comes in with that cop 
And it's like, oh, hey, there's a dead body in the basement. Cheryl was fucking crazy and killed all these people. I saw it. And then his other cop is like, yeah, yeah, she saw it. Do you want to go check the basement? No, no, get her a blanket. I know it's Billy. It's just a terrible fucking detective. No, 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 women, huh? <laughs> and so he decides that he's just going to up and kill the coach. Yeah. For no other Jew. reason than... Billy Jew, sure. Yeah, he's just going to kill them because they're he thinks they're gay. Well, the coach is gay, well, but... the coach is gay, but... Billy is in question, like, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yeah, exactly. And, um... Billy manages to get the gun and kills the detective. And I'm like, hooray! Yeah, he gave him the bullet. Give it to me, Billy. Yep, well, he gave it to you. Yeah, he's like, give it to me, Billy, give it to me. And he just fucking shoots him. And God, God what he deserves. Maybe now some real detective work will happen. And Billy has that thousand-yard stare now. Yeah, he's seen some shit. <laughs> Billy has gone through a lot of trauma now. Yeah. He's going to need some counseling. And Julie comes in, like, with a blanket, and he's like, Oh, Julie, what? Billy killed a man. Yeah. Billy just fucking killed a cop. Um, that was going to murder him for no reason, other than he thought he, Billy was gay. After he got groped and <laughs> nearly killed by his psycho aunt, you know? Billy's had a bad mother, day. Mother. His, his mother, actually. His mother, yeah. His mother tried to rape him. That's exactly, <laughs> what, just tried to, that's exactly what just happened, yes. So, so Billy's just, like, glazed eyes and no fucking clue now. And you get this postscript. Where it's just like, they tried him, but they declared him temporarily insane and acquitted him of all charges. Billy and Julie are together at the University of Denver. And then credits. And then credits. I'm like, okay, cool, thanks. It felt like they had run out of money and didn't want to shoot the court scenes, so they just, like, texted. <laughs> the credits start, and it's playing this song, and it's like, really gentle piano. Then this drum comes in. ba 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 bum and it starts the song. I'm like, "There's that Phil Collins drum hit." That's right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know it's the '80s when when you said "ba bum ba bum ba bum," everyone's doing the Phil Collins special. This movie is amazing. I loved this movie. It's pretty good, actually. Well, I picked it because you know I originally watched it because back in June for LGBTQ month and this was listed under queer horror so I'm like yeah hey and I watched this and was like this movie was fucking awesome please tell me that uh, Sleepaway Camp was not listed under queer horror it was not I don't oh, think thank, it was thank god thank god <laughs> um now you've got me worried here let me go check what's under that that collection because I mean technically there are plot points that involve Oh, let's see here. I know they have the queer horror section because they. When I was like, "Hey, look, they have this queer. They have it every year," and apparently they don't. Oh, well, that's good because um, that one's not doing anybody any favors. Oh yeah. Sleep even though I, I, even though I like Sleepaway Camp, barring the last like minute and a half. Yeah, but this one, um, is way more kinder to LGBT LGBT people than um. LGBTQ, the queer community, of yeah. which I'm a part. 
But it's nicer to them than fucking Sleepaway Camp was. I mean, the coach is cool. Good dude. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, poor, um, his poor, uh, shit, what was his name? His boyfriend, uh, Phil Brody. Phil, Phil did not, did not survive. But that's what happens when you encounter a crazy Cheryl, I guess. Yeah. Um, fucking crazy Cheryl. But this movie is good because you don't quite know where it's going. Yeah, I didn't. Well, I mean, yeah, I wasn't sure where it was going either. I mean, there was some thought. I didn't know who Chuck was. They didn't give the name of Billy's dad, right? So I'm like, oh, did she date? Is Chuck his dad? And she was cheating on Cheryl with Billy's mom. There's there's definitely a lot of like angles here until until the very end. Yeah, there is. I mean, I kind of knew because the description it gave before I read it said something about. You know, an aunt with a bizarre relationship with her nephew. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know why it was under, you know, queer horror until it really got into the, you know, the gay cop. Not the gay cop. Well, they, they, no, not the gay cop. The gay coach. I mean, it could have been closeted. But it is unique to find such a positive portrayal. Of queer characters. I'd like to point out that, you know, Billy is never established as just being completely straight. He could be pan or bisexual or something. Yeah, well, now he's nothing. He's damaged. <laughs> yeah, now he's, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's got some, some things to work through now. Poor boy. At least he's alive. And, and, uh, but it's also 1981, so probably not gonna get any counseling. Yeah, um, and it's also the beginning of the, the AIDS era. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was going on then. I mean, it was starting. And that homophobic cop, you know, that props to that actor for really pulling that off. Yeah, he went he went <laughs> on it. He, he he embraced it, which is a tough thing to do. Um, yeah. Playing that, playing that kind of character is, um, is never easy. No, a lot of times you, when actors play some terrible evil character that you're supposed to hate it kind of kills their career yeah if they do it well enough um like oh the movie happiness yeah that child molester and it's an amazing performance from the actor dylan baker but never saw him in many things after that and i'm like this dude did like an oscar worthy performance as a child molester and you know he he pops up in little places here, like he's in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Oh, okay. As Professor Connors. Oh, okay. That's cool. Even though the Sam Raimi ones didn't go with the lizard. Right. The the lizard showed up in uh, the Andrew Garfield ones, right? Yeah. But you know that actor he played Professor Connors, who never got to become the lizard. Yeah, poor guy. Like Billy D. Williams as uh, fucking Harvey Dent, you know. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting. Like, oh, we we're gonna get him as Two Face. Nope, but fuck you, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, but it's Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, wonderful movie. Um, really overlooked. Like I'd never heard of it until recently, and I'm like, this is totally my type of movie. It's interesting that it's described as a horror film, right? Like, for the first 
80% of the movie, there is a body count of one, unless you count Chuck and the sister and her husband, who are technically kind of killed. Well, I mean, the sister and the husband are killed on screen, but not in a slashery sort of way. And Chuck, who's already dead. It's it's just Brody, right? And then yeah. she just goes apeshit and kills a bunch of people at the end of the movie. Like, the body count, like, quadruples, quintuples in the last, like, 15 minutes of the movie. And Billy, he's really good at being, like, ignorant and innocent. Yeah, it was good. I mean, It was good. The performances were pretty good. I mean, I loved his sister, Kristen McNichol. We're going to watch movies with her that's eventually, right. too. That is, that's true. He is Kristen McNichol's brother. That is that is correct. Yep. He's in some movies that we'll, we'll look at later on. He was in a movie, at least one, with his sister, right? Probably. Like the Gyllenhaals? Um, I don't know, but they did something together. The Gyllenhaals? No, 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 the McNichols. I know the Gyllenhaals were in Donnie Darko together. Yeah. Um, but, oh, the woman that played Cheryl. God, what else has she done? I was looking at the cast and... Oh, what was there was one that was like that made me laugh. Was it an Andy Warhol movie? Or was no, it was, the... that wasn't an Andy Warhol movie. It was something that was kind of surprising. Let's see. Big well, Kiwi? I mean obviously Bill Paxton. But yeah, Bill Paxton's the one that uh, walked away with a career here. Yeah, he's the only one that ended up with some sort of long term career. Oh, she's in Poison Ivy, too. That's something we're actually going to be doing someday. Oh, oh wait, no, that's Poison Ivy 3 that she's in. <laughs> but yeah, this movie, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, definitely check it out. So what do we got? That's that's what it was. The ant is the voice of the jewel, the diamond thief sister <laughs> in the... Uh, oh. The Chipmunk Adventure. The fucking Chipmunk Adventure movie, which is one of my favorite movies as a kid. I made fun of that a few years ago, because there's the scene where they're running through the airport, and they're all the chipmunks who were pretending are real children throughout the entire thing. And they're running through in underwear, screaming for help in this airport, being chased by these crazy old people, and nobody is stopping to help them. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, is this 1987 that naked children could run around screaming help and people would just ignore them? I mean, you know, not too long from then that uh, Home Alone became a thing. So maybe, maybe yeah, the late 80s and early 90s, that was just how it is. Ah, never help kids. They're, 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 <laughs> they fiddle on their own. But uh, next week we're... Doing friggin' um, your birthday movie. Oh yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Yep, the day before my birthday, in fact. Yep. Yeah, well. yeah I, I picked one <laughs> that was uh near and dear to my heart. All right, so that was our episode. Please, I need to find my thing. Oh, I'd like to point out. I'd like to point out that our bigoted cop played the priest in uh, Kill Bill Volume Two. Oh, that's such a small role, and he's not evil at all in that. And he was the colonel in Inglorious Bastards. The the uh, 
the Tarantino one, and he was in the the original, like actual Glorious Bastards. Oh, that's probably why he's in that one then. Yes, because <laughs> that that's how Tarantino rolls. Bo Svensson is his name. Yeah, Bo Svensson. Yep. So he had, I mean, he did a lot of, he did a fair amount of uh, character work in his career. He had quite a few credits. Anyway. He did. Um, yeah, he was in Speed 2 Cruise Control. That's right. But yeah, that was our episode on Butcher Baker Nightmare Make it, Maker. Hope you enjoyed it. Big special thanks to, well, no, we didn't have ads this episode. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what we do, make sure to leave a review and let others know. Help get the word out. For more episodes, check out our website, exploititpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, at PodcastExploit, or on Instagram, at ExploitedPodcast, or contact us at ExploitedPodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time for Dungeons Dragons. Catch you then!